0: Hey everybody, and welcome to the first off-season episode of the Fenway Rundown Mass Lives Red Sox podcast. I'm Chris Cotillo, your host, joined by my co-beat writer at Mass Live, Chris Smith. It's been a while since we've done one of these. Obviously, the Red Sox uh, had a deep playoff run, and that was a little unexpected. There was a lot of writing to be done during that time, and then not so much now that MLB has locked out the players officially, a work stoppage for the first time in my lifetime, more than 26 years, um, and uh, the free agency's frozen. No trades can be made. Not a lot of Red Sox news coming out of Jersey Street right now, but there is a lot that happened last week that we'd like to talk about. So for those of you who missed it, Red Sox signed three starting pitchers last week, Michael Waka, James Paxton, and Rich Hill, and then made a very, very surprising trade right before the lockout. Jackie Bradley Jr. is back. Hunter Renfro is with the Brewers, and Red Sox acquired two intriguing prospects in that one, Alex Benellis and David Hamilton from Milwaukee. Um, I think that's where we should start, uh, Mr. Smith, on that. A shocking trade that happened at eleven thirty, uh, right before the the lockout. And uh what were your reactions to that one?
1: Um holy crap.
0: Yeah, that was that was kind of my exact one when uh, the press release came out.
1: I I mean I just Jackie Bradley Jr., I mean he's coming off his worst year offensively, four ninety seven OPS, I think it was. Mm-hmm. That is like epically bad. Right and i mean historically bad and so like you know i'm like well why would you trade hunter renfro who had a 30 home run season you know to go back to a guy when you're gonna pay him more than hunter renfro right Mm -hmm. Uh, even you know both average annual value and total money um you're also though getting two prospects back uh but they're not top 10 prospects within the system already i mean Uh, the uh, Benelis, as we were talking about before we came on here, um, you know, he's number 16 now. He has the ability, uh, you know, to go up the charts. Uh, he just was drafted this past year and he has, you know, excellent third rounder, right? Yeah, so you know, he has the ability to, you know, um, you know obviously improve on that 16th ranking. But I mean, it just it was just a surprise. But I think overall, you know, not only did he want to get the prospects he's building towards the future, but, you know, he felt like it was I, I think Bloom probably felt like it was a good opportunity, even though Bradley's not going to play every day. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I mean at this point he's probably not going to start against lefties. But a good way to improve defensively. I mean, we saw Hunter Renfro. I went back to one of your articles that you wrote on him, in which you talked about, you talked to him about defense and how he wanted to be a gold glove defender. And Mm -hmm. at that point of the season, it was June, and he had positive uh, five defensive runs saved in right field at that point. And he finished the year with zero. Uh, So he regressed, obviously, from that point. Um, And, uh, you know, the errors, most errors of an outfielder in baseball. Yeah. And the, and the he, he had, decisions.
0: That, he had the most errors of any outfielder in baseball. And he had three more than the next outfielder, I think it was Tyler O'Neill with St. Louis. I think it was 12 to nine. So yeah, I mean, the big arm like, was there, but there was a lot of silly mistakes out there too.
1: Yeah. I mean, we started a couple of times in the postseason where he threw high home and, you know, the lead runner or the, you know, uh, just a guy who just hit a single to him, got to second, you yeah, know, well, when it's like, when there was no chance at home, you know? And so, uh, you know, he's missing his cutoff guy. So, I mean, he's a good player. I'm not saying that, you know, I mean, he, he had a great, you know, he had a pretty good year. I mean, 30 home runs, hundred RBIs or whatever it was, Mm -hmm. uh, 3196. We can, we can talk about his defense all day long and he probably shouldn't have been uh, a gold glove finalist, but he was. Mm -hmm. And so, I mean, it is a little bit shocking that you would trade him for Jackie Bradley. Um, But obviously, Jackie's a, you know, a really big improvement um, defensively. And I wrote about it throughout the year. I've wrote about it at the GM meetings that the Red Sox were 19th. You know, defensive runs saved. They, you know, when you looked at this team, I said often, like, you know, Bradley, I said this during the postseason, like to my father, I was like, You know, you look at Bradley as a player when he's, you know, playing on your team every day and you don't appreciate the amount of runs he saves, you know, because there was just people that, I mean, this defense wasn't preventing runs. It was like, you know, they were losing games where they were not, you know, they could have been so much more if they had a better defense, they Mm -hmm. could have, you know, and so
0: you can think of those examples, whether it was, you know, I know you can't always blame, blame the sun but that verdugo game in, in at Fenway oh yeah uh, and then you have you know that schwaber error in in Seattle that cost them late and there's a couple you know costly ones throughout September August September when they were trying to get into the playoffs you know without that defense they don't have to sweep the Nationals that final weekend to, to back into the playoffs like that
1: yeah so like you're subtracting some offense but you're adding you know but but you know you could see it you know when you watch jackie bradley every day and you know he's kind of a below average hitter you know i mean he's he goes on really hot stretches but then he's you know times where he's you know completely terrible you don't appreciate i guess until you uh until it was gone last year like how much an ability you know uh, defensively he can help a team win a game and how how important defense is and run prevention is to winning a game
0: yeah for sure and i think you know that was. You know, not just the prospects being, you know, a a part of this deal. I think that was a huge one. Um, You know, I think obviously the way that this is set up where the lockout comes into effect, free agency's frozen, uh, you know, everybody has to basically stop, put their pencils down and wait until this thing's resolved for more moves to be made. You look at the Red Sox roster and the roster they have right now, no matter how you slice it, is worse than it was. In the postseason is worse than it was at the end of the regular season. Eduardo Rodriguez leaves for Detroit. Uh, Hunter Renfro gets traded to Milwaukee. You replace those guys with you know, Bradley and then Waka, Hill, Paxton, who's not even going to be ready for most of the year. Um, a couple other guys, whether it be Schwarber or Ottavino or um, Iglesias, some of these guys who are key contributors, especially late, are not on the roster. And I think the Red Sox suffer, you know, public perception-wise with that, just because they're not going to be able to you know, make further moves until the CBA is resolved. When that does happen, how do you see the outfield shaking out? I mean, I, I think it's pretty obvious. They're going to make an addition of some sort. Do you think that's going to be a big name? Do you think it's going to be a, maybe a platoon guy? How do you th- see that going?
1: Yeah. So I wrote about this, like, it's, you know, if they were to sign Schwarber and they, you know, technically now they need an outfielder, right. I mean, Jackie yeah. Bradley's not going to play every day. So if you sign Schwarber, he's limited to left field. I mean, he can play some first base, obviously, mm-hmm. but if you want him out there in the outfield, he's going to be limited to the left field. And so you're now moving Verdugo to, you know, right field, mm-hmm. uh, where Verdugo, you know, is not as good of a defender. I mean, you know, you look at Verdugo's advanced stats, advanced metrics, and, you know, he's a lot better in left field. So then you're downgrading two positions. So why trade for Jackie Bradley and, You know, subtract offensive. You're trying to make a conscious effort at, um, you know, improving yourself defensively and run prevention for the next year. So, and it also is interesting to me that Bloom said, you know, they might be leaning more towards a right handed bat Mm -hmm. um, after getting Jackie Bradley. Obviously, right now they have three left handed hitting outfielders Verdugo, Bradley, and um, (laughs) why am I blanking? Oh, Verdugo. Bradley and it's who Kike, else? So oh, he's
0: not. He's not left-handed.
1: No, 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 no. Okay. Well, what I'm saying is, if they got Schwarber, I guess they would have yeah. three. Whatever. But um I'm looking at like a real possibility. I think is you know the Suzuki guy from Japan. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of people. I mean, he's he's very interesting. I heard he's a very good hitter. Uh, Rod Bradford. I apparently heard something today. I haven't read it yet. Yeah, uh, he talked to Brazier. I, yeah, I didn't know that they were teammates in Japan, but um. You know, I mean, I think that he's definitely somebody that they're they're interested in. And, that mm-hmm. you know, he's a right-handed bat and he can play right field. And that could work. Um, now, could you also add Schwarber onto it too? Uh, maybe. So you get two guys. I don't know. I mean, do, do they – they're not – I don't think they're just – if they feel like they're a better team, you know, they're – what we've seen with, you know, them adding Paxton for $10 million a year next year, Mm -hmm. where he might not even pitch i mean it's not a guarantee that he'll pitch they're definitely not going to be worried they're definitely not worried right now about going over the competitive balance tax whatever that's going to be i mean we have no idea what it's going to be
0: yeah i mean Um, they've made two big market moves The paxton deal was one and then the jbj trade adding 10 million in salary that way that that one
1: too you know so it's like um you know you look at it and it's like oh you know they're going to go over probably. So maybe they get two they get two, um, uh, you know, offensive players and, in some relievers. And mm-hmm. I've always been like, you know, I know that you don't buy it at all in that John Heyman had a report that they were interested in story. Yeah. I just think it would be so like, you know, I, I mean, it would be, you know, that would be the move to make. I mean, Correa, um, you know, getting him at shortstop, you know, then you move Xander Bogarts to second base and and you have Correa when if Bogarts opts out next year. I mean, this, is, you know, you improve your, the left side of your infield defense, like drastically. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that just makes your team a little bit. And if there's a player to go out and sign, like, you know, there's, we looked at Andrew Friedman and how he for the first six or seven years with the Dodgers didn't sign anybody to a you know contract of nine digits or more. Yeah. You gotta find the right player. And if there's anybody on this market right now that's the right player, it's Korea.
0: Yeah, and that's interesting. I want to get that a little bit later. You know, are they really going to dig into the shortstop market if if they need another you know outfielder? The names you mentioned Schwarber and Suzuki, but Chris Bryant, Castellanos, Soler, Michael Conforto, among the other guys there. Chris Bryant, you know, I know he uh, is, you know, kind of not really talked about that much on this free agent mark, but he's another name that I think um, you know things were quiet on him early uh, and could you know fit if the Red Sox wanted to try that as well. Let's go to the rotation for a minute because this rotation, you know, you lose Eduardo Rodriguez and you add um, instead of going out and getting one of these big names, whether it's Gaussman or um, Robbie Ray or Stroman or Verlander or Scherzer or any of these guys who are available, the Red Sox kind of tried to do what they have done the last couple of years when it comes to the rotation, adding, you know, quantity high upside veterans uh, who are cheaper and they're more mid rotation guys, obviously Michael Waka. Um, back of the rotation guy for one year, 7 million Rich Hill for the signing for like the seventh time with the Red Sox, uh, one year, 5 million. And then James Paxton, who we talked about uh, with recovering from Tommy John surgery one year, 10 million. And that deal, you know, with two options or, or an option for another two years that um, that's really what that's about. Um, are you surprised that this is the way that Haim bloom decided to go out and attack his rotation, or does this just kind of fit his MO? Cause in my mind, they like having a lot of options and, um, you know, behind sale and of all who you expect to be, you know, the quote unquote aces uh, you have Pavetta, you have Rich Hill, you have Waka, Tanner Houck, Garrett Whitlock, eventually Paxton, maybe Seabold all of a sudden you're, you know, seven, eight deep. If everybody's healthy at the end of the year, um, I know that's a big ask, but they were able to do it this year. Uh, and there's not, you know, that, that core of like three really, really good pitchers like they've had in the past.
1: Yeah. And so I think that is, is it, is MO you ask, like, you know, like I think that if there was a pitcher on the market, that really like, you know, he would have gone all in on, he would have, I think it has to be a really special pitcher or really special player for him to go all in on, Mm -hmm. you know, like he's setting valuations he's setting, you know, like, yeah, I'm interested in Steven Matz, but you know, I'm not going to go over this amount, and if it goes yeah. over this amount, I mean, then I'm not going to go.
0: Over. He's the one to me that for four for forty-four, I think made a lot of sense. You know, like Ray Gossman, they've had ups and downs in their careers, and you know, they cashed in at a good time for over a hundred million. With Stephen Maths four for forty-four million, I don't think that that is a deal that you know is over the top. I know the Red Sox were were in on him and and close to signing him. Actually, they made a very competitive offer there at the end. The rest of them, as we were talking about, Ray. Gossman, all those guys, none of those really stand out as worthwhile investments in my mind.
1: Yeah, and so, you know, I, I just feel like, you know, he, I I wouldn't put it past, blue. I, mean, I don't think this is going to be his approach every offseason where, you know, he, he goes out and gets just a lot of guys for, you know, one-year deals and or, you know, one-year deals with options and stuff like that, like he's, so far he's done mm-hmm. as, you know, as the president of baseball, uh, uh, the chief baseball officer with the red sox however um you know i don't i don't think that that's going to be a thing that you know it has to you know i mean if he sees somebody there just wasn't anybody on this market that was worth uh the money that you know he felt was you know you know what i mean
0: <laughs> yeah is there any of those deals i mean are for 130 or uh <laughs> Stroman for three for 71. Ray, I think it was one for or five for 115. Gaussman, one five for 110. Any of those, do you think we're worth it for the Red Sox right now?
1: Um, Verlander, two I,
0: for 50.
1: Yeah, maybe Verlander. Um, I'm not, but you know, it's difficult because we, you know, I expected, we all expected Corey. Klu- uh, you know, you didn't know what, like Corey Kluber is just a couple of years off of a Cy Young, right? Yeah. A few years off of a Cy Young and you know, you came last year and you, you thought about like you, you're thinking about signing, you know, Corey Kluber and you're thinking that he can revert back to what he was. How do you know mm-hmm. that that Justin Verlander is going to be able to revert? I mean, he last time He's we saw him I, on the mound, he well, was a Cy well, Young award winner, right? So it's like, you know, I mean, at that age, it's like, how do you know? So um, yeah, I mean, was there any guys to you that stuck out that that you would have thought that they would have that they sh- or they should have made more of an effort?
0: I mean, like I said, the math for four for 44 yeah. is not going to break the bank. And he had a good year. Kluber, you know, they almost signed him. The Rays signed him one for seven, you know, or, or whatever that was, one for eight. I, I think, you know, they, they obviously tried there. What I was going to ask you is these three guys that they did sign Waka Hill and Paxton. I know when you can get excited about uh, a an, an acquisition or um, when you think somebody's going to be good. Even with Garrett Rickard, you thought, okay, I, I see it there just doesn't seem to be much excitement from you on these three for me yeah
1: yeah i mean i i think hill is you know he's gonna give you innings Uh, i think he had what like 150 something innings so that replaces the durability of eduardo rodriguez Mm -hmm. i mean you know his curveball and you know his fastball still have good spin on them um he wasn't as effective last year as he had been in previous years but i thought you know, i thought you'd safe. be more
0: fired up about covering a guy who's more than five years older than you
1: <laughs> yeah he is huh? he's he is old um he's like the tom brady of baseball except yeah. he's not the goat of baseball so. <laughs> <laughs> um he's a, there's know. some on the red sox beat that would disagree with that no yeah that's true that's true but um yeah i mean he's a really nice guy you're gonna enjoy covering him but yeah. um you know, he's he's you know, uh with Waka, I just I look at all the advanced stats on him and you know, I mean, they don't look good. I mean, yeah, maybe the last month or two he turned a corner. Maybe the last month and a couple starts in August he turned mm-hmm. the corner. Um, but you know, I mean, you look at all the advanced metrics on him on baseball savant, it's like, oh, well, I don't know what they see here.
0: Yeah. And I think you yeah, know he changes pitch mix at the end and people are all fired up about that. My question there is. He pitched in 2020, uh, one-year, $3 million deal with the Mets. Wasn't great. Then signs the same exact deal with the Rays. By all accounts, wasn't great. And somehow, he more than doubles his salary. I, I just don't understand. Like, when it came out, $7 million, I was shocked. Good for his agents uh, for getting that for him. But that was just like, you know, you don't think, I don't think, you know, the Red Sox ever under high and bloom have overpaid. It's not like $7 million is going to break the bank. But that, to me, was surprising
1: that sounds that seems like an overpay to me. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, uh, you know, I was very surprised by that uh, contract. W- you know, when I looked at it, um, you know, when they got him, I, you know, I was thinking probably three or 4 million. Um, you know, I mean, look at, he got 4 million last year, right? Three 3 million last mm-hmm. year. And he ended up with, what, what was his ERA in the five Oh five. So does he deserve four, 4 million more dollars?
0: Yeah, really? Uh, the market must uh, a bunch of teams must I have know. had the same idea, I guess.
1: Yeah, I mean, there there just must have been a market for him that was you know there, and that the Red Sox had to had to go there if they really liked him. But um, you know, Paxton's Paxton um, James Paxton an interesting guy to me, but you know, I'm not uh, you know sure that he's going to pitch in 2022. Right. I mean, we saw all these guys coming off Tommy John surgery from the previous previous year in 2020 to 2021. You know, Sale. Uh, Severino mm-hmm. um, noah Syndergaard, Syndergaard, a lot of them had trouble you know and and um you know even sale he was he probably pitched the most out of all of them right but yeah. you know he wasn't as effective uh you know as you would think he would be so you know I'm not guaranteed you know i'm not um you know i'm not, i'm not convinced that you know he's going to do much in 2022. Uh, right. but I think it could be a good deal going forward I mean I look at it as a very similar I wrote about it I mean it's it's more money but Nathan Nevaldi is very similar to what ter, uh, Tampa Bay did with Nathan Nevaldi a few years back in mm-hmm. 2017 they just let him like they paid him three million just to rehab in 2017 and then 2018 he came back really strong and they're you know lefty righty but they're similar pitches in that they throw really hard you know and they've yeah. always had that ability to do that. And so I, I'm very interested in how he comes back. I think that it could be a very Nathan Ivaldi-like type thing when he comes back, you know, that that he he has that ability um, to give them what, maybe not exactly what Nathan Navaldi has given them, but something similar.
0: Yeah, and obviously, you know, Valdi with the year he had, they would take that out of, of uh, James Paxton any day. I want to get your thoughts on the lockout, just because, um, you know, I've seen it written as billionaires fighting with millionaires and why should we have sympathy for that and all that stuff which i think is funny um um and i understand both sides i understand how much money is at stake and what's right is right and these these sides want to dig in from a logistical standpoint though does it i mean it sucks not having free agent rumors free agent moves right now trade talks all that type of stuff from our for our purposes team employees not being able to talk about players in the 40-man roster i mean that's not great, obviously, from a coverage perspective. Um, but in terms of, and this is an argument that's probably counter to, you know, a lot of people, especially on Twitter, who are saying, you know, this is super bad for the sport. You know, this is happening and the work stoppage. Would you rather have that rush, that week of free agency that was absolutely electric? You know, just going through the names that came off came off the board. You know, you had Seager for 325, Semyon for 175, Baez for 140, Scherzer, Ray, Gaussman, Marte, um, Erod, Marcus Stroman, Chris Taylor, Iglesias, John Gray. I mean, they're obviously so Garcia Verlander. I think there's 14 deals of 50 million or more, um, all within, you know, a, a two week stretch basically. And especially at the end, would you rather have that? And then what, let's say this gets resolved in February and another period of that, where you have the top free agents left, which is obviously, you know, Correa and story and Freeman and those types of guys, um, or would you rather have your winter, your slow, regular winter? Um, I feel like, you know, we have to pay a price here right now. And if it doesn't get resolved by opening day, obviously this takes not going to age well, but I don't think this is the worst thing in the world. I actually think um, the way the free agency was, the way I expect it to be when this lockout is over is actually great for the sport uh, as, as long as they can resolve everything.
1: Yeah. I mean, the only way that sport is killing itself is is if things don't start on time yeah. and, they, and they miss games. Um, you know I just I don't see it as that Be you know as you said it was an exciting period where a bunch of guys are signing it's you know it's, it's it felt like you know NFL or NBA or you know free agency where mm-hmm. you know like everybody on the first day in those sports is you know committed to go somewhere and signing contracts and you know it, it, it was fun and so um, you know Look at when I first uh started working at Mass Live in 2000 what is it 15 those off seasons were very interesting I mean the, the baseball has become very slow with that with the CBA, the CBA that was in place in 2016 uh, 2020 or whatever mm-hmm. or 2017 2021 um those first two off seasons that I was there I mean those were exciting off seasons yeah. uh, there was a lot of action even though like things don't happen you know right away i mean things usually like some of the big guys came off like started coming out a lot of them come off the board you know at the end of november early december mm-hmm. winter meetings are crazy i mean we saw with david price in 2015 you know he came off the board in early december and so chris sale you know, trade was, started... in,
0: was in early december what's that the chris sale trade was at the winter meeting.
1: yeah and so you know you you look at that and it's like with this new C or with this old now CBA that was in place from 2017 and 2021, it changed the offseason, Considered made it very boring. I mean, yeah. we, we were often not seeing guys off the board until January, uh, February. A lot of the bigger name free agents. So mm-hmm. you know, to,
0: you know Harper and Machado, those were free agent signings and yeah. during spring training.
1: Yeah, and so um, you know, I mean, I think that this is you know that that needs to change like they you know that's part of the cba that you know they need to figure things out so that there's an exciting hot stove Mm -hmm. offseason because i think i think um you know i think that fans enjoy the hot stove season in baseball as much as the actual bait games
0: right no i definitely when when it's when it's good
1: i mean when it's good when it stinks like it has that's not cool but you know what it was and what you you know what it used to be i mean those like the trade deadline and like, you know, hot stove, winter rumors and stuff that, that stuff was awesome. You know, before.
0: Yeah, no, I agree. And I I think that, you know, we saw Twitter was lighting up uh, last week, you know, before, well, this was all happening that, you know, kind of Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, right before uh, and and even Wednesday, right up to the deadline. You know, it was pretty crazy. And I hope that, you know, one of the things they figure out in the CBA is how to kind of preserve that we'll we'll end with this uh, because we've been rolling for a while, but uh, we touched on it a little bit, but, you know, when the dust settles, where what is your prediction on where the Red Sox go from here? I'm going to say, you know, they're done with starters. They go out and, and trade for a good reliever because there's not a lot of guys on the relief market. Uh, Iglesias with the Angels who signed for four years, $58 million, He would have been the guy I would have actually gone out and got, spent a lot of money on. They obviously decided not to do that. I think maybe trade for a good reliever. Um sign an outfielder you may, maybe look at second base you want them uh to make an even bigger move as you, as you teased earlier but uh you want either carlos correa or trevor story
1: well i i would say correa i wouldn't say story yeah. if they're gonna go out get the get the guy you know it's mm-hmm. this the best shortstop you know in baseball right now you know yeah. i feel um so you know I, well i don't know if he's the best shortstop i mean whatever best shortstop in the american league <laughs> and so um you know, I, I, but, you know, I think that it, it is interesting. You, you bring up like trade market and, you know, they have collected a lot of, you know, guys in their, in their farm system that are, you know, in that 10 to 20 range and stuff like that, you know, type of prospects like Benelis, um, who they just got in the Jackie rally trade. And so they have some players. And so they might, you know, I, I think a trade is, very likely. And I wouldn't be at all completely shocked if, you know, I know that they have enough starters right now, but you can never have enough starters. So maybe um, they go, they pursue a starter, um, you know, like Frankie Montas. Is that, is that how you pronounce his last name? Yeah. Former Red I, talked to prospect. yeah I talked to him in the Arizona Fall League. Uh, mm-hmm. I think it was in like like uh, 2014 when I went to the, um, gm meetings in arizona i talked to him but uh, not, sure that, not that. that this not that this podcast needs to know that
0: no no one really but,
1: cares um you know maybe something like that um maybe chris they,
0: bassett or another one of those guys out there
1: yeah yeah so it's like you know maybe they do do um as i mean then you know you can obviously have walker as a guy that's you know needs to compete for a job uh, you know at the end of the rotation and mm-hmm. maybe goes into the bullpen and has a like a, a Matt Andrees uh, type of role, you know, next year, heading, you know, heading into the year. And so, yeah. um, you know, I mean, $7 million is a lot though for that, <laughs> but you know what I mean? Uh, so I think that there's a possibility they go trade for a starter, but, you know, I mean, you, when you, when you heard bloom on the, on the call after Jackie Bradley, you know, what he wanted to do, he really emphasized short term or um, short inning you know, short stint relievers, mm-hmm. And so, you know, they they obviously have guys that, you know, Garrett Whitlocks and and Houks that can either, you know, start. But not that many
0: because you can't trust Barnes and you really can't trust Darwinson. So you have like Taylor Whitlock, Hauk, and that's pretty much it.
1: Yeah. Okay. So Adam
0: Modavino is still a free agent, too. I think they should bring him back. You do? I do. I think he will not cost you much. He'll be on a one-year deal and he wants to be here. All right, then. I don't think that's going to be a you know top of priority right now for uh, or as soon as the lockout ends. But uh, that's just one move. Anyway, that that's a good you know almost half hour of the two of us going back and forth on a lot of things. Red Sox. Hopefully, we'll get you know the podcast going with more frequency. Uh, I don't know exactly who we can have on as guests because team employees won't talk about players. Players are seeming like they're a little hesitant to speak. And I know you're all sick of hearing Chris Smith it's been the Fenway she rundown
1: had, like Matt Votaur on there.
0: Yeah, exactly. Perfect.